medical department only two go to the bench and we are more than a dozen. We don't train, we only recover. That's a, that's a situation. Preparation, hard work, confidence in overcoming those difficult moments. Today we're still outside Liverpool and we are going to the first part of the medical test. Welcome to this Football Medicine and Performance Podcast. I'm Eleanor Trezise, a member of the FMPA education team and your host for this episode. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Bram Swinnan. Bram is a strength and conditioning coach with more than 20 years experience in professional sport. He has trained eight Olympic medalists and various world champions. He has also worked with the football team FC Angie. During this time, he trained many elite players. He has a master's degree in kinesiology and a master's in physical therapy. He has also authored a book, Strength Training for Soccer. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Eleanor, for having me. It's a pleasure. In this episode, we're going to discuss rehabilitation of hamstring injuries. So I've already provided a bit of an introduction for you there, but in your own words, please tell us about your journey today and particularly what has led to your interest in hamstring injuries. I almost have 25 years of experience working in, at the top level in different sports. Basketball, I worked with several EuroLeague basketball teams. I worked with several NBA players in football. I worked with, uh, like you said, Angie. I'm now consulting at uh, Genk. Consulting also at the Dutch national team. So I'm also an expert coach for the Essex uh, Tennis Academy. And I also work a lot with track and field athletes. And yeah, in all those sports, sprinting, acceleration speed is really important. So hamstrings, they're a major, major force producer for propulsion, for acceleration, for speed. And also in every sport that there's a lot of sprinting, you see high propensity for hamstring injuries. So of course, from a performance and from an injury perspective, I think it's logical that there's a fascination or a deeper interest for the hamstrings. Mm-hmm. And could you go over for us some of the biomechanics of the hamstring muscles during sprinting? Mm. Yeah, like you see, there are more and more studies that show the link between sprinting kinematics and hamstring injury. Most of the time, I think better performance is better injury prevention. I think most of them are linked. And you have the difference between frontside sprinting mechanics and backside sprinting mechanics. And frontside sprinting mechanics is a lot more efficient. Backside sprinting mechanics, you also see that a lot of the kinematics are related uh, to increased hamstring injury. You have, for example, more anterior or more forward uh, trunk lean. So with backside running mechanics, you have an anterior pelvic tilt. Uh, and more forward trunk lean. With the forward trunk lean, also the lever arm of gravity increases and hamstrings, yeah, they have to push more. So they probably get fatigued earlier and you see with increased trunk lean, you also see uh, more hamstring injuries. Forward trunk lean is also directly connected to anterior pelvic tilt. Anterior pelvic tilt, that puts a lot more stress 
especially on the biceps femoris, even up to 30%. So more length probably puts the muscles closer to a length where they're more susceptible to tearing. So that's a big risk factor. Backside, backside running mechanics and anterior, and anterior pelvic tilt, yeah, they're also quite connected. Anterior pelvic tilt, and you will see that you have a higher probability to sprint with backside running mechanics. So that means more action behind the center of gravity and less action in front of the center of gravity. It's also when you have anterior pelvic tilt, then you see that there's less action in front. So the powering action is less explosive. So there's less horizontal force uh, production. And of course, horizontal force production is really connected to uh, the incidence of hamstring injury. And you also see that players that come back from hamstring injury, that most of the time they have a lower possibility to produce horizontal force and they have a higher propensity to re-injure. So they're really connected. So frontside running mechanics, also it's, you have the explosive powering action, more horizontal force production. So a lot of connections also there. So as I talked about the forward lean, anterior pelvic tilt, um, also overstriding. In backside running mechanics, you have less action in front of the body. But what you see is that sprinters or athletes, they attack the ground, they make contact with the ground more in front of the center of gravity. And yeah, that's in the first part, that's deceleration until the foot is right underneath the body and then you can start accelerating. So that also means in the first part, you have deceleration that the posterior chain has to contribute more, has to push more to re-accelerate again. So I would say there are a whole, there are a lot of factors, a lot of parameters, better performance, a lot of times, better mechanics is also less propensity to injury. And for example, that forward trunk lean, uh, that seems only a detail, but you, for example, you have a study of Schacher and that was quite remarkable. Even with uh, three degrees more forward trunk lean, you could see that there was almost up to 30% increased peak hip power necessary. That increased the hip power by 30%. So requires a lot more activation, a lot more action from, from hamstring muscles. So I, I think I said the most important ones there. So you have the overstriding, you have the anterior trunk lean, hip flexion angle, and yeah, maybe one I forgot is yeah, core stability, lumbar pelvic control. That's also an, an, an important one. If you have more lateral movement uh, at the trunk during sprinting, uh, of course, yeah, the lever arm of the upper body increases. That requires also more, yeah, more, that, that increases the, the risk of hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So thank you for outlining that. And you, you've covered a lot of the risk factors there. So when it comes to footballers, what makes them particularly susceptible to hamstring injuries? You know, what are the risk factors that are most relevant for them? Like, like I said in the, in the first question, any sports where there, there's a lot of sprinting, they're more susceptible to hamstring injury. In football, 
You have a lot of high-intensity running, a lot of sprinting, and you also have a lot of games throughout the season. Um, so a lot of fixtures. Also, the game goes over 90 minutes, sometimes 120. So fatigue also contributes, of course, to uh, increase the risk to hamstring injury. So it's the combination, uh, a lot of games, fatigue, uh, a lot of sprinting. So that cocktail, yeah, that uh, makes it for football players that they are at higher risk of uh, hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in the article you've written for an upcoming issue of the FMPA magazine, and you also mentioned it earlier, you talk about hamstring injuries having a high propensity for re-injury. So could you tell us a bit about why this is? So for example, what muscle properties have been altered? When you have a hamstring strain, of course, after hamstring strain, there's scar tissue. Scar tissue is strong, but less flexible. So that means the part of the muscle above and right below yeah, they are stretched more, so that's they are more susceptible to tearing because they pull to lengths, bigger bigger lengths than uh, than usual. And you see also with hamstring injuries that you have a shift of the force length curve to shorter lengths. And yeah, physical length and that force length curve, it's important that we shift that to longer muscle lengths because during sprinting hamstrings they really function uh, at long muscle lengths. So. For example, the end of swing, there you have tremendous forces up to 10 times body weight. That's at long muscle lengths. So muscles have to be strong, especially at longer muscle lengths. So we have to shift the force length curve to longer lengths. And a lot of what you also see is an inhibition of uh, the biceps femoris, the long head. 80% of the injuries occur in the long head of the biceps femoris. A lot of times you see inhibition over time, even atrophy, and players then, yeah, they come back, and you also a lot of times see reduced horizontal force production and reduced sprinting speeds. So, to summarize, I would say, important, increase physical length, shift the force length curve to longer muscle lengths, uh, also focus on horizontal force production exercises, very important, and the last, because from 80% sprinting speed to 100% sprinting speed, uh, a lot of people, especially, co- uh, they think, especially athletes, because if an athlete, if he can run at 25 kilometers per hour, he thinks he's almost there. But from 80% running speed to maximum sprinting speed, you see that the forces at the end of swing, they increase by 90%. In stance phase by 40%. So it's not 20% that the athlete still has to go, but it's a, it's a big difference. So their horizontal force is also in the last phase is extremely important to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you mentioned previously about the horizontal force production really important, more so than vertical force production. So could you give us an idea of some exercises that would be best for training horizontal force production? Horizontal force? I never say horizontal force is more important than vertical force because both are connected. Okay. So in the, in the article for the magazine, of course, I focus on horizontal force production exercises, but vertical force, vertical stiffness enables 
short contact times enables also more horizontal force. So there's always you need, uh, yeah, you need a balance between both. So you need to do both. Horizontal force production exercises are exercised with an horizontal force vector. Yeah, for example, the hip thrust. The hip thrust, yeah, the, the force vector is horizontal. It's not the best exercise as an example because in a hip thrust, you have mechanical insufficiency of the hamstrings. That means you have too much overlap between actin and myosin filaments, so they cannot really contribute in force production. So it's more isolated, the glutes and the hamstrings, they don't really contribute to force production. Um, good sport-specific ham hamstring injuries for horizontal force production, where you have the correct intramuscular coordination, I would say the slide bar back lunge, a resisted slide bar back lunge, that's a very good one. So you have the propulsive forces, the horizontal force vector, and correct intramuscular coordination between glutes and hamstrings. And yeah, it's difficult to talk about exercise, but in the magazine, I, I describe a few exercises. There are also pictures. On my social media, you can also find a few horizontal uh, force production exercises. And I go from strength exercises also to more explosive exercises because hamstring injuries, they always occur at high running speeds, high speed injuries. So we also have to work at the velocity side of the curve to really transfer the horizontal force to the field or to the pitch or to the track. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then just a few other questions. So as you say, it can be hard to sort of talk about the exercises, but for visualization, if anyone wants them, then as you say, you'll have some on your social media website and in the magazine article. So you talked a bit about the posterior pelvic tilt having an important role. So what exercises could help to improve that? Anything that mimics a little bit that explosive posterior pelvic tilt, because it's really important to, to maintain a stable posterior pel pelvic position during sprinting, but also the explosive posterior pelvic tilting, the moment that you make contact with, uh, with the ground, that the swing leg becomes a stance leg, there you have a really explosive posterior pelvic tilt, and that enables efficient transfer of forces, and also less hamstring uh, fatigue, and a less uh, a propensity to, to injury of the hamstring muscles. So, for example, uh, single leg Romanian deadlift with, uh, with high pull, because there you need like an initiation from that posterior pelvic tilt to initiate the movement to produce high power outputs. Exercises like this, I call it an horizontal step up. I, those are also initiated with mimicking of that explosive posterior pelvic tilt the moment that yeah, your swing leg basically becomes your stance leg. Because in, in sprinting, uh, you always have yeah, a, a shift from pelvic to from anterior to posterior pelvic tilting, really explosive movements, short explosive movements. And that's like a whipping action. That's what they call like the proximal to distal sequencing of high-speed movements. And the pelvis enables that you have high speeds high power outputs in the, in the lower leg. I'm uh, sorry, in the lower body. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And what exercises would be important for improving gluteal function to support the hamstrings? Yes, like I said, you have exercises that improve gluteal function, like the hip thrust, very good exercise, mm -hmm. but it doesn't uh, train the correct intramuscular coordination. 
So I would say coming back or prevention of hamstring injuries, performance or rehab from hamstring injuries to focus really on that correct intermuscular coordination. That's a very important one. So that you mimic the action and yeah, the coordination in the posterior chain. So for example, uh, slide board back lunge, because both glutes and hamstrings, they contribute to the force production. So that, that is a really important one. So not just focus only on the glutes, not just focus only on the hamstrings. Of course, you can have some isolation exercise, nothing wrong with that. But the main focus has to be on exercises where both contribute to force production. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then also for eccentric hamstring strengthening, you know, I imagine again, it will be a combination of some exercises crossover with other strengthening other groups, but then are there also any that would help in isolation with that? Nordics, of course. So mm-hmm. what's great about the Nordics is that they really increase the physical length of the hamstrings. So there's no other exercise like Nordics where you can increase the physical length of the hamstrings like that. So that's a great exercise. And also eccentric training. We, before, we were misled a little bit that it was dangerous and it was odd. But more and more, we shift to eccentric training because eccentric training has several advantages. And for example, also, you have the inhibition of the biceps femoris, the long head after hamstring injury. Eccentric training can help with that inhibition to have that cortical activation and again to really activate the muscle in a good way. So, and I would also say, for example, you have the stability ball leg curl where you can connect with a with a with a pulley, so that you do the curl with two legs and go back only with one. There are many exercises, but eccentrics are really important in hamstring injury and also for hamstring uh, prevention. Eccentric strength, because big function of the hands, hamstrings is of course that swing like, yeah, that's our tremendous deceleration eccentric forces. So we have to train the muscle like it functions. That's a really important one. Also, we're talking about high speed movements, run, hamstring injuries, high speed, high speed injury or injury at high, high movement speeds, eccentric, really trigger fast switch fibers also uh, activate more motor units so there are several advantages about eccentric training Mm -hmm. so you talked a bit about this earlier in this interview but what is key for the transition to full sprint speed in the final phases of rehab yes like i said okay from 80 percent to full uh, sprinting speed still a big transition because force is almost double but especially at the swing phase at the stance phase they increase by 40 percent so that last phase of rehab we know also that we need to work in horizontal force production so a lot of times yeah resisted sprinting and also ballistics and plyometrics with a good horizontal force vector so those exercises for example yeah, single leg, single leg speed hops, resisted single leg hops, anything with the horizontal force vector, plyometrics, because there you have the, you really have maximal forces at the stance phase that mimic running. 
but you minimize or you, you reduce compared to maximal sprinting, you re reduce the forces at the end of swing. So that's a safe way to transition from 80 to 100%. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Unfortunately, that's where we have to end, but I learned a lot there and I'm sure the listeners have as well. So thank you very much, Bram, for giving up your time and for sharing your expertise with us. Thank you very much, Elena, for having me. It was a, was a pleasure. Listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the FMPA podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Alternatively, please check out the podcast section of the FMPA website. Links to any papers or other resources mentioned will be provided in the description of this podcast episode. Also strongly encourage you to check out the article that Bram has written for the FMPA magazine. Thank you for listening to the Football Medicine and Performance Podcast. Have a great day. Bye.